Welcome, Anisha, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Ritham. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, we are happy as well to have you on board. Today, we're going to discuss about UNI India and the extremely inspiring work they do. So, Anisha, would you like to elaborate on that? So, UNI Trust is basically a nonprofit that was started way back in 2008, 2010 by these two uh, really people who wanted to bring a change in the country. So they started their work in a small office where they started teaching children nearby in a computer center, uh, started teaching them English, basic computer skills. And from that office way back in 2008, 2010, currently UNI is in 20 cities and it runs across around 1,600 uh, children and it teaches around 1600 children in 20 cities across India. So the idea is that it basically majorly UNI has two uh, uh, deliverables that it works on the care and the teach deliverable as you might know uh, and the main core idea of UNI is that it is an after school learning program and where UNI invests in children from underprivileged backgrounds with courses in English, math, science, and social studies. And uh, under this umbrella, UNI also run a 360 program where children are given a holistic education through science camp, field trips, art workshops, and career building workshops, you know, in order to build their confidence. So all, the whole program is run by volunteers. They do this in a one is to one or one is at the max one is to three ratio so that every child has one mentor that is basically just only there for them so this allows you and i to have more connection with the children the children also get some mentor that they can look up to kind of a role model and the volunteer also do not have to focus on a number of children like usually how teachers tend to have around 15 to 20 children per class or even more if they're looking at government school stats but here a teacher in UNI is only focusing on one child or at the max three, ch three children so which also allows more attention and also allows a more comprehensive uh, education system and also allows really good flow of learning and uh, exchange of ideas. That was truly heartwarming to know that. More often than not, we as a society tend to cater to the needs of certain section of people, right? Let's, we're going to talk about the TEACH initiative in detail. But before that, uh, I heard you say about Care Initiative. Would you like to elaborate more on that? Uh, what Care Initiative is? Right. So UNI Care Initiative, or as we call it, UNI Care, is again another branch of the organization. Particularly, currently we have the care center only at Bangalore. That's where the organization was started, as I mentioned. Um, so what UNI Care does is that it, it provides care and rehabilitation currently for around 85 mentally challenged children. So the vision of UNI Care is to transform institutional care in our country, you know, to make it more accessible, to make it more inclusive, and also to build a safer space for persons with disabilities and persons with special needs. So UNI assists in the care, and like I said, in and the rehabilitation of 85 mentally challenged children, and also 100 special needs men, you know, at there are around four Bangalore-based state-run residential facilities where UNI volunteers go interact with these children and these special needs men. And they tend to have these conversations, support them with their day-to-day -day activities, also help teach them a bit. And 
they do that in a very inclusive and holistic manner so that there is an exchange of not just ideas and learning but also care and you know uh, comradeship so that the idea is to build more of a family kind of structure that brings uh, the volunteers closer to uh, to to these children and to these people so that they feel the need and care that otherwise institutional facilities sort of lack. And so with there are around nine members of UNI staff who are working full time on the ground in these homes. And uh, UNI provides medical care, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and grooming for the residents. And many of whom actually have been abandoned by their families as most of the time is the case. So that's what UNI Care is working on. One of the really great visions that UNI has is to establish these care homes all across India. Currently, like I said, um, there are around 20 plus cities that UNI is working on. And it would be a, really a dream come true if we can provide this institutional care to other homes outside Bangalore. But yeah, that is definitely a UNI vision, something that we really hope to achieve in the next uh, five to 10 years. That's great to know. And I do hope that the special care is reached out to all the children and the people that are in need of it. And I cannot commend enough the great work the founders have done in Bangalore. And I hope Guwahati welcomes this initiative as soon as possible. Moving on, why don't you tell us more about how UNI is helping kids across the country get better access to education? You know, maybe you can elaborate more on what you've already shared uh, from my first question. Yes, uh, sure, Ritam. So as you might know, uh, most of the children who live in orphanages or in shelter homes are first-generation learners. And uh, they tend, are, and mostly, most of the time, they are enrolled in government schools where in classes, the student-teacher ratio is massive. We have one teacher against 50 to 60 children. And what happens is that you and I both went to schools like that, right? Uh, we went to a school, whether it was private or a government school, we had around like 35 students along with us uh, in a classroom and one teacher and he would go on to teach and some of us would not catch it. Some of us would get it. Some of us would ask questions. Some of us would just sit silent at the back. But what you and I had was that we'll come back home. We had our parents or our guardian because we come from a very privileged uh, set of a privileged background or a relatively privileged background we had people who were there to take care of us who were going to help us who were going to you know support us for example oh i don't understand i didn't understand this math formula we had somebody who can help us we also had access to tuitions we also had access to additional mentoring by other people and that kind of helped us to gauge and to you know deal through the big student teacher ratio that we faced uh, in our school. What these children from shelter homes and orphanages lack is that not only are they part of a really big crowd in school, but that is exactly the same scenario the moment they go back to their shelter home or they go back to the orphanage. There are again around 40 to 50 other children like them, and there's only a one or two caregiver. And the one-on-one -on -one connection is lost, is completely lost, right? 
so that's the basic idea that UNI wants to provide. I think that's how I, I envision it when I look at UNI from my very own perspective. I think the whole idea is that these are the privileged children. I do not like to call them unprivileged because I feel every child is very special. They are underprivileged and they have come from vulnerable backgrounds, but they are with great potential and great ideas and visions. They just need a mentor who can give them that attention and that uh, energy and that uh, regard that we all had growing up. So you and I kind of provide these children with that mentor who kind of helps them in their studies and not only that, but also gives them dreams and hopes so that they can you know, believe that they can do something, they can reach their true potential. And for this, like I said, uh, we have an after-school program where we recruit volunteers from all across the city, wherever we are working at, and we allot them to various shelter homes that are running across the country. So currently, UNI is fully running in around 20 cities. We have extended to around 10 more cities where, because of the pandemic, things have been slowed down. But we have had volunteers working. We have had leaders. Leaders are basically people who manage the volunteers. And we have all these people working and setting up centers so that I think by the time uh, things with the pandemic calms down a bit, we would have around like 30 UNI centers running in all across the country and with around at least 2000 or around 2000 children currently this number the most recent number is around 1600 children but that has changed a lot in the last two years because of the pandemic we have had more people joining uni more cities coming up so the idea is to give that mentor this idea is to you know be a hero in some child's life because that's what we call we call our volunteers that they are hero up they are, they are doing a hero up program they are doing something with your weekends otherwise spent in meeting friends going to cafes and you know just chilling at home but now they have the opportunity the youth of the country have the opportunity to give back to you know all the years of education and give back to the children who really need it a lot so that is the idea of you and i teach well that was just heartwarming in the most heartwarming sense uh, I could ever say it. Uh, that's really, really great. And I guess I have found myself at a loss of words. But upon a brief reflection on what you have said, I must say that we who come from a really privileged background, to say the least, have always been chasing towards, you know, better performance, better grades, better track record to get into better school, college, and then moving forward in the career, we have always forgotten about the people who are not as lucky as us to have the means and support that we had growing up. And even in Guwahati, where both of us grew up, there were a lot of private schools that charged lakhs and lakhs of rupees in tuition fees. But they, as an institution, barely show any consideration towards the underprivileged children, right? And I am aware that in our first interaction, you and I, uh, we uh, talked about the UNI volunteer program, and I got to know that you were one of the first person in Guwahati to bring the UNI initiative here. So how did the story in Guwahati begin? And if you don't mind, uh, how did the story of you and UNI begin? Would you mind sharing that, Anishab? No, absolutely not, uh, Ritam. I would love to. And like you said, um... Definitely, our lives wouldn't have interact, uh, intersected with the lives of these children had it not been from 
had it not been without the sense of this uh, feeling that we really need to give back and we really need to extend our support in whatever way that we can. My story and you and I got a story is somewhat correlated in the ways that I have been volunteering uh, with a shelter home uh, since 2016. I was just going there in the weekends and teaching these really beautiful, amazing girls that I had become extremely fond of. And I was teaching them and I, people around me sort of knew about it. So then we had uh, one of these uh, really amazing uh, ladies who is also one of our UNI core leaders or the founding leaders, as we call me, her and some of the others. Uh, what she did was that I think she came across the UNI um, page or some kind of a UNI video. And she decided to, hey, uh, let me just check what it is. And she sort of said that, oh, let, let's see if we can start a chapter here. So I think she filled the chap starter chapter form. You and I have a starter chapter form and she filled it and she totally forgot about it. She and I have been friends for, uh, for some time. And uh, I think around uh, seven, eight months, we are talking 2017 here, uh, seven, eight months later, she got a call back uh, from one of the managers of UNI Bangalore and they said, hey, um, we didn't think that we would receive an application from Gohati because UNI had no chapters in the East till then, uh, none whatsoever. And uh, they, they were very surprised to find an application from Gohati and decided, hey, are you still interested uh, about starting a chapter? And she's like, oh, okay. And uh, she said, yes. And I'm really grateful the fact that she said yes, that she didn't say, oh, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm really sure about it. She said, yes, why not? I think we definitely have children here that we can support and, you know, extend our help to. And uh, then the whole idea formed that, oh, we need to at least uh, build a team who can start the chapter, build a team who can, you know, have a contact, who can talk to the shelter homes, who can talk to orphanages, who can talk to schools and universities for, you know, collaboration so that we can have workshops so that we can, you know, recruit volunteers and also with the shelter homes so that they agree that they are okay with volunteers coming every weekend to the shelter homes and teaching their children. And that's how she roped me in because she knew that I was actively working in shelter homes in Guwahati from before. And she said, hey, Anisha, are you interested in this? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, but let me read about it. I went back and I read about it and I realized that I was sort of in the, in the shelter home. I was just this one teacher and I had around 30 other girls whom I was helping. And no matter how much I tried, no matter how much I made it a point to equally give my time to all 30 of them. It was just not possible because there were too many and I was just one person. And I loved UNI's idea of one is to three uh, teacher-student ratio. And I was like, you know what? I think this would be great. I think it would be great if we have more people coming into this shelter home where I was teaching and support my girls because I absolutely love them and I absolutely believe in their potential and they're really amazing people. And that's how... Uh, we got together and I agreed for it and we worked to find a core team. So we had around five people who took the initiative to start the chapter and we started talking with colleges and we got so many rejections. We wanted to start a workshop so that we have more volunteers coming in. I think you have seen me doing this in this as well. I think uh, late, much later, much in like the second or third year of Kohati, we started our workshop. We wanted to do a workshop in this as well, but much before that, we were going to Biborua, we were going to Handik, we were going to Cotton, talking to people, sitting outside in the heat, making, uh, getting them to agree that, hey, can you just give us your academic call for like uh, two hours? We want to hold a workshop. Uh, 
so but then there were struggles of course we were also talking to other shelter homes and there were again a lot of rejections but we sailed through that and we we all five of us had this one idea that hey it doesn't matter how many rejections and how many you know knows we get we are going to start the chapter and it took us some time it took a lot of convincing uh uh convincing a lot of people actually uh, but finally we had our first workshop in cotton university in sidmarshan hall um i still remember it was around august 10th 2018 when we had our first workshop and we had uh, our founder flying from bangalore who gave this really amazing speech and had this great session and we had our first 15 volunteers who started uh, the journey and we and for me personally when i had those 15 volunteers coming into the shelter home where i was teaching for so many years and meeting these girls and they were so happy to find you know to realize that they are going to have all these teachers who are you know giving them so much of their time and that's how we started you know we first started with teaching english in the weekends our first uh, first day was only first we only took up sunday uh and as we grew in a month or two we also started taking saturdays for english classes and everything uh one thing that gohati did very uh, different from others is that i knew in the very beginning and rest of the other founding leaders also knew that we want the children to have not just uh, a ratio of 1 is to 3 like three girls and one teacher we wanted a 1 is to 1 connection i we really wanted then we really pushed for it we recruited volunteers back to back posters were released all across we had this whole big whatsapp poster campaign where every other uh, person that whoever that we knew in guwahati we requested them to you know share this poster and we managed to recruit decent amount of people that we could give our girls a 1 is to 1 ratio and we did that on fridays uh, on saturdays and sundays over the years you and i guwahati has grown a lot that was our first year it was a really really difficult year uh, a really uh different year because nobody in you and i bangalore have had a chapter that was this far in the east and we were like too cut off from the main office in bangalore but they really really supported us and you know helped us grow at the same time we five of us didn't really know what we had to do because this is so new for us we would receive instructions most of the time we were going with our gut feeling and the idea that uh, the cause come first and the cause was that we need to empower these children uh ever since then there has been multiple centers in uni we currently we are five centers and uh, really really a huge number of children around 150 volunteers the family has grown a lot and it's absolutely amazing uh, to see this this growth and to see this happening uh last year you and i also got the best city the best chapter city from and one of our centers also got the best uh center uh that we received as a part of uni awards that we have where we sort of encourage and uh, recognize the work that is being done by cities and uh centers so that is very inspiring again so currently i feel very overwhelmed to see uni starting from 15 to around 150 volunteers and i regularly meet you and i volunteers who have no idea who i am i have no idea who they are and they tend to tell me and convince me to join you and i and and i'm like oh hey yeah okay that's a great idea i would think about it and then i realized how big the movement has become that uh, you know i remember talking to random people literally dragging people to sudmarshan hall so that they can just sit in our workshop from that moment to all five of us being asked to join uni to you know 
by volunteers who do not know us at all. I think it's been a great journey. I think it's a journey that all five of us are extremely proud of. Well, that was the story of you and I, Guwahati, but what stories do you have close to your heart? I have uh, multiple, multiple stories, um, amazing, inspiring stories. I've realized how smart the kids are, how quickly they grasp things. And even if sometimes they don't, even if sometimes they take time to understand how hard they try. And like you said, you and I very much encourages holistic learning. So it's not just about maths and science. We teach it in a very different way to make it more engaging. We also give counseling. We also make sure that they have an all-around development. So that also allows us to find the different layers that are there in every child, the different things that the child is good at. But that being said, I'll share a very uh, inspiring story about a very, very inspiring learning center that is absolutely close to my heart. I cannot say its name because of child protection issues, uh, but one of our centers uh, have uh, children who are somewhat on the older end of the spectrum. They are all above uh, 13 years old. They are in between 13 to 18. They are a really, really, but they are a bunch of really, really strong personalities and very rigid, uh, you know, thoughts and uh, behavior. And they are, they, they are amazing, but then they definitely need a really strong push to do better. Uh, so what we realized is that some of the children from that particular learning center were appearing for their class 10th board exams. And back then, you and I didn't have a tuition center. Now, currently, you and I also provide tuitions. We teach them full hardcore class 10 Seba uh, uh, syllabus. We have centers where only that is done completely. Seba course, courses and Seba syllabus is being taught so that the children are prepared for their board. Back then, we didn't have that. And we realized that around two, three of our children were going to appear for the matriculation, 10th matriculation exam. And they were absolutely not prepared. And we realized that if, and all of them were like around 17 and 18 years old. And we realized that if they do not pass this 10th board exam, they would not be able to continue their education after that. The, uh, the shelter home was not going to support them further because they were already almost 18. And if they failed, they wouldn't have a shot at, you know, coming back and, you know, uh, giving it again. Or even in the nobody's going to invest in their education after this for uh, 11th and 12th and also for their college and uh, we found it out and there were like two three leaders in that particular learning center I was one of them and we were very disturbed and we were very upset and we told our volunteers that you know this is the case what do you think we should do and they said and this was in the month of December so you know the boards are like in March uh, and the volunteers said hey how about we help them and then I'm like you guys teach English but we teach English they need support in math, science, social science, ASMEs, and they need it in ASMEs medium because they are in ASMEs medium school. So what do we do? And all our volunteers decided that, hey, but I study economics. I can teach social science. We had somebody who was like, I am doing my maths honors. I can teach maths. Uh, somebody said, hey, I, uh, I, I'm a physics student. I can definitely teach physics. And what they started doing from that day 
they started coming to the center every day. We, earlier, we were only running on Saturdays and Sundays. They started going to the center every day. They had a, we all had a plan made, a timetable on which subject would be taught at what time. And throughout the day, you and I volunteers would go to this learning center every day. And they did that for three months. We called it mission metric. Our idea was that we would ensure that they pass their 10th boards and they do well in their exams. So they have a shot at education after they pass 10th. And it was a very rigorous process. They made lessons, lesson plans. They had all these timetables ready. We had WhatsApp groups where different volunteers started taking the lead on driving this program. You know, they were like, hey, we have social science. This person has to go. We started talking. All the volunteers contributed in some way or other. You know, volunteers who didn't were not from Assamese background, but you know, but could speak Assamese, started teaching social science, did their very best to, you know, help and support. We had volunteers who would go almost every day because there was only one person to teach maths. So he would go every day to the center and teach maths to the ch children so that they can revise and understand and everything. The idea was that we cannot let them fail the 10th boards. That is just not a possibility. And it was so inspiring for me to see. I didn't even know that you know, people who are as young as us has this in them that they are going to change their plans on Sundays. They are going to, their college is going to end and right from Cotton University, they are going to come to the center and teach them rather than hanging out with their friends. But they did that for three months. And the board results came and two of our boys got first division. One got around 80% as well. And all of them passed and they're doing well. They're studying, they're preparing for 12th. And the same set of volunteers are also helping them right now for their 12th exams. And it's very, very inspiring. It's one of the most inspiring things that I have seen in Yonai Kohati uh, of hard work, of resilience, not just from our boys, because they worked so hard. When they saw that, oh my God, these people care so much about, uh, about us and about our exams that they are giving that much of their amount and time, you know, you know, really coming in between their practical classes and teaching us physics, they realize that how important uh, they are to their teachers. And they really, really worked very hard to do well in the exams. And also it tells the story of our volunteers and gives me hope really. Like when we look at youth now, I see so many of us just talking, you know, talking about things that, hey, that is the problem. You know, this is totally messed up. This is not right. That is not right. Government is not doing that. We as a generation complain too much. But I always believe in how much we as a generation is actually working at the grassroots. And that was the moment when I saw the youth, people like us in action. They really took things into their own mattress. They were like, hey, we are not going to change the world. We are not. We probably cannot change the world. We probably cannot save every child from you know, dropping out after 10, but we can save these three boys. We can make sure that they get the education that they deserve. And so, yeah, that's one of the most uh, inspiring stories. I think there are multiple others, but this one is really close to my heart. I assume there has been a lot of you know trials and tribulations, maybe even a, a lot of failures as well, but it looks like this, you really are a great leader and you really never give up, you know, in doing things better. So let's talk about, you know, what it entails to be a leader like you and what were your experiences as a leader? Okay, thanks, Yotam. I'll try. Uh, I'll try my best. First of all, thank you so much for calling me a good leader. I think a good leader learns from the rest of the other leaders and learns from the, 
from its team i think that's something i have learned as a leader i wasn't i was initially a very cause driven goal driven person that's like that's how i started off in uni so i wasn't the most relatable or relational leader actually but the more you are surrounded by people feel so passionately people who all have different different sorts of qualities you also tend to grow and be a better person than you have been before i think that's has been really remarkable for all of us uh, in uni i think uh, as a leader there would be tremendous number of challenges i mean you do not always have a team who are going to support you as much as the story that i shared the volunteers did there are sometimes you would obviously have challenges where volunteers wouldn't come to the sessions all the time you know they would be late there would be issues with shelter home where they would be like hey we do not want you to come to the center anymore like we are done here and i am like oh but you have signed an mou with us you can't just you know take a step back but that happens a lot uh cancellation of classes sometimes we have also had uh, children who have been taken away from the shelter home because they have been moved from one place to other as a leader the most challenging moment for me i mean there has been too many was also when uh, we were in a center uh, where the children had issues with substance and uh, were very difficult to you know deal with because uh, they came with a lot of trauma a lot of anger and a lot of hopelessness that they were there was a there was a very big dirt of hope in this particular center and there was a lot of things that uh, the children were doing and that was a very difficult for, moment for me because no matter how much i tried it seemed that i couldn't give them hope and uh, that really pushes you as a person that really changes you as well that you you really decide that i what am i even doing if i cannot help them you know deal with this pain that they are going through that i cannot give them hope give them the belief that they can do something better so these challenges that you face as a leader but it's very important that you have your team with you it's important that you listen to your team that you let them grow and let them be their own person uh last year when i was a chapter leader for uni and i had like a number of centers under me my main idea was that i had all these other leaders working for, with me and i wanted them to take charge and take responsibilities take ownership of what they are going to do it's very important in a team if you are just only going to direct them if you are only going to say hey do this do that you know this is not right they wouldn't uh, feel like they are a part of the movement they wouldn't feel that they are a part of the change you need to tell them hey i love your idea i believe in what you are you are saying and you know what why don't you take it forward from here that's the way that you are going to build accountability and ownership uh, uh in a team and that's very important i think when i was so upset and saddened to see how these uh, in this particular center the children lacked so much of hope and they were involved with a lot of other activities i confided it to the rest of the team and i was like what should we do you know i i i'm helpless here i do not have any answer how should we change this and they made it a point they all ideated they did a lot of things to change that you know to they did a lot of uh uh, uh child enrichment program they did a lot of workshops and they all came together so that because now they felt like they are a part of the change there was not just one person telling them what to do 
but this person is also saying yeah i don't know what to do can you guys suggest me something i think being a good leader is about their acceptance is about being a good listener and is also about letting people be and letting your team drive things sometimes and letting them come to their true potential i think it's very important um i have been associated with you and i since the beginning and uh, around uh, this last march uh, i realized that uh, i have worked very hard to you know in my team at least to build leaders who are accountable build leaders who feel very strongly for you and i kohati as much as i do who feel very very strongly for the children as well who i know are going to keep the children first and their goodwill first over anything else and when i realized that in my team i have that i have that set of people i decided that hey it's now time for me to take a step back and let them take over and that's when i decided that i'm not going to continue as a leader or or as a chapter leader in uni and i'm just going to be an advisor or i support them whenever they need me and i took a complete step back and i sort of gave it over gave these centers over to really 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 capable people who are really driven who really keep the cause first and who i know would make great leaders and uh, so my journey with you and i in a very technical sense has sort of ended because i think there is nothing else that i have to offer that i know that that couldn't be offered by somebody else as well because they have come a long way and i you also need to understand that there there is a time till which you can be or you can do something for 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 some some uh, you know for an organization there would be other people whom you have helped and evolved and they probably can do this job better than you now because they are very much capable and that's when you should realize that hey maybe let them take it forward you know i shouldn't be taking up their space let them go ahead and uh, pass on the baton basically like go ahead and do this because you guys are really capable of so i am a retired chapter leader from qni guwahati i'm no longer a leader i'm definitely there for the team i'm definitely there for the organization i'm so so in amazing like so incredibly proud of it but yes i think you being a leader is also about letting other people take over uh, when you know that it's their time and you know and i felt that uh, and that's why i took a step back and but then the organization is doing great I, i'm so so incredibly proud of it so incredibly part of the leadership team currently for this year many of whom are in this we have one of our chapter leaders who would be joining this this year he's really great and really driven and child centric so uh it's a great journey for me it's been coming full circle honestly uh from starting in that particular center volunteering there without you and i to you know leaving that center and for others uh has been you know and uh just taking a step back has been like coming full circle for me i feel completely happy and satisfied with my time at uni and i would always be a part of it in your answers i have noticed that the volunteers really play an integral role in the functioning of uni would you elaborate on how the volunteer process works how a person maybe even the person who is listening to it right now can you know apply to be a volunteer uh, what does the process exactly entail volunteers are the heart of the uni program i mean uh, let let me just put it like that if children are the heart of the uni program then volunteers are the minds you know they yeah i think they are definitely the minds they are everything it's not 
they are the you know they are the champions basically we we do not there, there's nothing that a leader can do no managers no other uni staff in bangalore it's the volunteers who drive everything you know they are the core of the program without them we wouldn't survive so being a volunteer is a is the most rewarding experience ever in uni honestly um so if anybody out there is interested to be a volunteer they all just need to go to the uni page and click on the city guwahati if they want to volunteer for guwahati and they would get an application form where they would be applying and they would be connected uh, to other people uh, they would be called by uni staff for screening they they would have an interview process and after that if selected then they would be given a child uh, cpp test that's called a child protection policy a test that they have to give and after that they can join us as volunteers currently all the uni centers are running remotely so classes happen over zoom over google meet and things like that but once things get better we are definitely going to move offline and uh, the the volunteers would get the opportunity to interact with the children in person but whether it is online volunteering or offline vo volunteering it's equally rewarding and uh, even though like i said in the very beginning you may feel like you have come here to change a life but it is your life which is going to be changed forever because in uni you learn so much about community because uh, people who really really care for the children and because of the fact that you all care for the same thing you really come together and be great at what you guys are and you also learn about how much your potential is there to you know be something so yeah volunteer today yeah even i agree uh, if you have made it this far into this episode then i strongly urge you to volunteer if you can and how did you overcome the challenges imposed by the pandemic um absolutely um the pandemic has been hard on all of us especially um for our children uh, for that's how i i call them i can't call, i kind of tend to address them as my children um yes it it has been very very difficult because uh the children are so used to volunteers just going to the center and teaching them right uh it's very one on one interaction that's the whole thing that we were you know working towards so initially when uh all these things were shut down there were lockdowns and everything uh team guwahati decided that we cannot wait uh you know for a really long time we need to make sure that we are going to you know start anyway and so one of our centers uh actually the very first center where we were working at they only had one phone uh in the center and uh, we we started classes on that one phone you know we again made a similar timetable uh, so that different children can be reached at different time because different children have different learning levels the whole all the children are divided into learning levels uh, uh and uh, classes are classes happen according to those learning levels and we had volunteers already recruited like from the previous session and we had those classes on phone we had just one phone and we had classes seven days a week uh just to make sure that we are reaching every child like that you and i gohanti also started a program called tech for teach which meant that anybody in the city could donate their laptop or donate their phone uh, for the cause uh, and for these children because they really needed devices you and i in general you and i india in general also started uh, another program called donate a device campaign where 
different people, different donors from across the country donated their laptops and phones. It was a, a to you know for these children. This really helped us get a decent number of devices for our children, uh, which we are sent to the shelter homes for these classes, and we ended up uh, doing this very quickly. I think in Guwahati, we tend to not. Uh, we tend to be we are very quick i think as in this population um, uh, we we are said no we are a very lahe lahe population i think that's not very true for you and i kohati because we are very proactive because we really need to reach out to the children uh, so we started things very quickly we had all the whole leadership team and the volunteer team hands on working on these campaigns so that we can have as many devices as the children need and we had leaders who took special permission to go to the shelter home set up these devices and have classes and very quickly we started resuming but then reaching out to the children although have been easy keeping the volunteer community alive through zoom has been difficult like every other volunteer has have had zoom classes you know nobody was not in zoom all throughout the day so our volunteer community was full of you know fun and discussions and you know debriefs that we used to conduct after class where we are going to talk about our good things the good things that happened to us throughout the week where we would affirm each other and things like that but it was very difficult to keep up that culture of you and i over zoom because everybody was just so tired of zoom calls that even if it was to have fun and have engaging conversations they didn't want to you know come back and be on a zoom session although all the volunteers were always open to teaching the children after that just volunteer and leader interaction definitely struggled during the pandemic because of just how difficult it was for all of us and so again time, with time a lot of uh, organizational structure has to change so you and i gohati also changed accordingly we made it sure that at least the volunteers are teaching the children that's the most important thing we can have our own sessions and our own discussions on child growth maybe not every class but like every week or biweekly so we try to restructure our system like that so that we keep the volunteer motivated and also because the main idea was that the children are getting at the classes they are you know learning things and that was the most important uh but when the first wave waned a bit um uh two of our centers started running offline for like 3 4 months as well because it was very much needed in those centers and the uh learning center partner the shelter home staff basically allowed us to come offline and teach them as well that really really helped because uh they again got an offline interaction but now we are back online and we are back to you know having classes on zoom um although i'm not a part of these sessions anymore but i know that they are definitely you know doing things very proactively still and we are making sure that every child is reached and that we do not waste a lot of time on you know organizational discussions and all of that oh maybe this is not right maybe that is not right even though they have a lot of uh, we do have a lot of differences but we never sort of waste time in those discussions a lot because we know that okay whatever this is the idea is that the end goal is that we need to you know send a device to the child and start the class that's the most important thing so we can keep everything else aside and make sure how we are going to achieve that and that is very much there that's very recurring and that really helped us to you know deal in this pandemic because we knew that doesn't matter how difficult things are and how much we all are going through we need to make sure that they are learning english they are learning maths and you know they are able to uh, study so yeah that was the last question thank you for answering all the questions today anisha and thank you everyone for listening in 
see you in the next one